Hi, welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. My name is Tiet Helimetz, and I am a principal dancer at San Francisco Ballet. This podcast series of Meet the Artist interviews is your chance to get to know us, the dancers, musicians, designers, and choreographers at SF Ballet, as we discuss our lives, the process in a studio, performances on stage, and more. Join us for Meet the Artist interviews, live and in person, at the Opera House before Friday and Sunday performances. Or tune in, all season long to hear podcast recordings of San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interviews. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to tonight's Meet the Artist interview. My name is Jennifer Kavakovich. I'm a dance educator here with San Francisco Ballet. It's my pleasure tonight to introduce to you our guest, principal dancer Luke Ingham. Hello. Luke was born in Mount Gambia, South Australia, and after dancing with the Australian Ballet and Houston Ballet, he joined the company as a soloist in 2012, and in 2014 was promoted to principal dancer. His repertoire here includes principal roles in works by Helgi Thomason, George Balanchine, Yuri Posakov, Alexei Rotmansky, Kathy Marston, Danielle Rowe, and Christopher Wielden. Uh, and a fun fact, if you've seen our filmed production of Helgi Thomason's Romeo and Juliet, uh, which was filmed for Lincoln Center at the movies in 2015, he danced the role of Tybalt. So welcome, Luke. Thanks for having me. So we're here to talk about today's program, Cinderella, which uh, you dance the role of uh, Prince Guillaume. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about you and your background in ballet. Um, you uh, grew up, again, in Mount Gambia, South Australia, which I understand is a pretty small town. Yeah, it's a rural town about four hours between Adelaide and Melbourne. Um, fun fact, a very famous Australian uh, ballet dancer, Sir Robert Helpman, was born in the same town. Uh, he danced with the Royal Ballet many, many years ago and uh, became the artistic director of the Australian Ballet in the 70s. So, yeah. So, was it uh, easy to find? It, sorry, I'm being... Okay, maybe hold it. Do you need me? Is this better? All right, good. Yes. Get onto it early. I like it. Thank you. Um, so was it, in, in this small town, were there ballet classes aplenty, or did you have to really seek those out? Yeah, so I actually, my mom used to do ballet when she was little, and she had a kind of pair of ballet shoes that I found when I was about three years old. Um, and I was just very inquisitive and wanted to know what it was all about. And she kind of said, you know, when you turn five, maybe you can go and do a class if you, if you want. And she, the way she says it is that when I turned five, I asked to go and do ballet, uh, do a class, and she knew the, the local teacher. So she took me along, and that's kind of where the journey began. And then how long were you, uh, you know, in your local school? Or did, was there a point that you transferred to, you know, a rigorous training program? Yeah, so when I was 10 or 11, we moved from Mount Gambia to Adelaide. Uh, I started with a new teacher there and it was kind of became a little bit more serious at that point. Uh, around 12 or 13, um, I used to do a, like a lot of sport, 
uh, a lot of swimming, stuff like that, I kind of found out that there was a pathway into ballet as a profession around that age. So that was kind of when I decided that I wanted to become a ballet dancer. Uh, so at 15, I was accepted into the Australian Ballet School in Melbourne. So I moved out of home, relocated to Melbourne. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where my professional schooling began. And from there into the so, Yeah, company. so after three years with the, with the Australian Ballet School, I was accepted into the Australian Ballet. And so I've been dancing professionally since 18. Wow. And uh, what brought you stateside? Uh, in 2005, I received a scholarship from the Australian Ballet to travel. Um, they, they like to kind of get dancers out into the world and, and kind of check out different companies because Australia is very isolated, so we don't always get exposed as much. Um, and I decided to come to America. Um, I really loved ABT as a kid. Brishnikov's my favourite and... Um, I started in Seattle, I went to New York, I went to Canada, and then this was the last stop uh, in San Francisco, and I just loved the company. I'd never really heard much about it, but I, I came here and the dancers were phenomenal, and I just felt the company was really strong in all the ranks. I was in my second year as a quarter ballet member at that time, and. Uh, like the core was incredible, these soloists, and they had these amazing principal dancers, and that kind of really sowed the seed in my um, my mind um, at that point that I wanted to kind of get out and experience the world because we have such a fantastic opportunity with what we do uh, to not just kind of stay uh, where we begin. And yeah, so. 2005, that kind of started off and then I auditioned once and unfortunately it didn't work out and then in 2012 I came back and auditioned and was offered a contract and began in July of 2012. Yeah. Um, if you joined us late, our guest tonight is principal dancer Luke Ingham who dances the role of Prince Guillaume in Christopher Wielden's Cinderella and actually Going to 2012, that was actually the year this ballet was created. So you were pretty new to the company, and we were embarking on this um, uh, new production, which was a co-production with Dutch National Ballet, which was kind of interesting. So you were here for the creation of the ballet, were you not? Yes, uh, it was probably one of the first uh, rehearsal periods I was involved in here. Um, I, we actually toured to London and I randomly was able to perform in London after someone got injured and then we came back and this was kind of the first thing that we started with officially and yeah, it was great to work with Chris. I was also able to go to Amsterdam uh, and work with the dancers at Het National to learn the part as well. So I was very involved in the in the process. It was a long time ago, so my memory's a little sketchy on a lot of the details, but yeah, it was, it was great. 
So this ballet, um, Christopher Wielden worked with a playwright and librettist, Craig Lucas, to craft his own version of the story, drawing from different influences. Uh, what can you tell us and tell our audience about um, this story of Cinderella? Um, it's a little different to the kind of the version that we all know with the fairy godmother and the, the mice and, and all that sort of stuff, but I really love the way that he's incorporated the fates. So they're the four um, men that kind of push uh, Cinderella through the story. Uh, they help guide her. Uh, they're, they're kind of a really important character, um, but maybe they don't get kind of noticed as much as they should. Um, yeah, uh, I love the um, I love the first um, first act with the all the puppetry, Basil Twist puppetry, uh, the the carriage at the end uh, is amazing, and what I can say is that for me personally, second act is um, it's very challenging physically. It's it's a lot of uh, partnering, a lot of dancing, and yeah. Really, it's it's a good test, and I really enjoy uh, dancing the part it is. So, you talked about the act two, uh, you know, the part it is, and Christopher Wilden's choreography. But you actually have a moment with Cinderella before, say, the big, you know, ballroom scene. Can you talk about how the uh, the prince and Cinderella meet, and what's I think kind of special about that connection? So I think it's actually a really important uh, kind of character development. For me, I, his first scene is what we call the portrait scene. He's with uh, the king and the king's telling him he needs to marry a, a princess. And for me, I kind of approach it like he's very petulant, very boyish, doesn't really understand um, what's expected of him. Uh, and then... He's basically saying, no, I don't want to marry these people. Uh, the next scene is kind of the the family scene. We meet uh, Benjamin and I, we kind of change uh, costumes, so we change characters, and I kind of become a little bit of like a, a wanderer sort of thing. Like I've got like scrubby clothes on. I go to the house, I knock on the the window. Cinderella lets me in. I get kicked out. Uh, then Benjamin comes acting as the prince. I come back in, and that's where I kind of meet Cinderella. Uh, and it's it's kind of a nice moment because I think that you're seeing someone that you're uh, intrigued by. Um, and then you kind of, like, noticing her, but in this kind of... It's a weird context for you, like... It's not the palace, it's not a princess, and yeah, it's a, it's a really fun scene. I really enjoy acting out the scene. You kind of, I was saying before, I pretend like I'm a used car salesman a little bit, just like, hey, like, uh, check out this guy kind of thing. <laughs> and um, so I, I like to do a little bit of head wobble and, you know, <laughs> Coke bottles under the arms. Check it out. Yeah. Uh do you get those tips from Christopher Wielden, or is that your own? Um, I don't know if he would. Ag <laughs> I don't know if he would ag agree with me on that one. He, I, 
Yeah, I've had a couple of moments where he's been like, oh, you might need to just pull back on that a little bit. So maybe not the right intention. And for those of you who don't know, the friend Benjamin is uh, the prince's friend that Sorry, he yeah, grew up with. Well, no, I think that's such an important part of this story. First of all, everyone has a name. Uh, you're not just the prince. You're Prince Guillaume. You Which have... I just found that out. No, oh. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you knew your friend's name, Benjamin. Yeah. Um, there's so much, I think... You touched on some of the more fantastical elements, which I'd love to talk more about, but there's also this um, very human side of the characters that I think Christopher wanted to bring forth a bit, and that meeting with Cinderella and connecting as humans is so beautiful. Uh, but talk to us about this ballroom pas de deux, this physically challenging... It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard. It's a, a lot of uh, lifting, a lot of very technical partnering, um, all stuff that I really enjoy doing. Uh, it's just, we're dancing for a long time, a lot of entrances and exits, and but it, I think it looks amazing. And I think the second act part that I really love is what Chris has done with the corps de ballet. Um, I love the way that he's like manipulated the group, things that he does with like cannons and um, like, just the the way that we interact with the corps de ballet as well. It's I think visually it's really really interesting. I think uh, the visuals are one of the strengths of this production. Uh, you talked about Basil Twist. Uh, we also have um, projection designs by Daniel Brody and lights by Natasha Katz. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about those? How those pieces all work together to create this magic on stage. Oh, and I'm sorry, Julian Crouch did uh, scenic and costume design. Uh, like the different technical elements? Oh, just, you, yeah, or you know, you talked about the carriage. Uh, for some of our audience who maybe haven't seen the production before, I mean, we don't want to give away all the magic, but just, um, I mean, I think the mix of sort of the high-tech, low-tech mm -hmm. to create these illusions, um, characters on stage? Yeah, I mean, I think that what makes this production really magical is that there are a lot of moving parts from a like a technical perspective. There's a lot of columns coming in and out, um, a lot of scenery and set changes that happen, and they kind of happen very seamlessly, but they really set uh, they really help to set up the story. Um, like it, in third act, I love the way that the kitchen scene transitions into the third act part of it with this big, beautiful tree. Um, I think it's it's really interesting. It adds a lot to the story, and I think it kind of adds a through line in regards to where the the like how the tree begins and then how it kind of grows. And the tree in this production, um, it, it grows over the grave of Cinderella's mother, right? Watered by her tears. So it sort of is the source of um, sort of some of the magic, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so do you enjoy uh, these, well, you seem like you enjoy these acting roles. Uh, I love it. I, <laughs> I, really, um, I really enjoy the acting part of it. Um, I don't know if it always goes down great or is good but 
it's always interesting. I, I, for me, I like to find um, things in the character that relate to me or I can relate to, and I really try to make how I approach acting uh, real in a sense that it feels real to me and I hope that that's what the audience sees. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that's probably not a very good explanation, but yeah, I like, I like to feel authentic with how I'm acting. Mm. Makes sense. So again, my guest tonight is principal dancer Luke Ingham. Um, when you are preparing a role like this, um, you know, do you go and do your own research, you know, read all the stories, or is it all just in the choreography and the music? Um, I think for me, initially, having the opportunity to work with Chris um, when we did this 10 years ago, that information was kind of there. Uh, and then over time, I think the way that I approach it's evolved a lot. But now for me, we've done it so much, it, it's just feels very automatic. Uh, I actually feel like the less I think about it, sometimes the, the better it kind of comes across because it's a little bit more natural. It's a little bit more like, um, like less like I'm trying to do something. It's like I know it's in there somewhere. It's just kind of digging it up. So, yeah, you mentioned, you know, this production premiered 10 years ago, which surprises me. It doesn't feel like it was 10 years ago. I feel very old. <laughs> what is that like for you to revisit a role? And, um, and how have you changed as a dancer in the last 10 years? Uh, gotten older, uh, <laughs> a little slower, a little, uh, a little less uh, fit than I was uh, 10 years ago. But um, I, I think for me, it's just kind of enjoying, uh, I love just being in rehearsals and working on the little technical things and not having to learn like new choreography it, it feels very comfortable and so it's just really nice when you're rehearsing something that you're familiar with because you can just like focus on little technical things and then you know that like when you get to stage you, there's less stress, there's less worry about, oh, like, is this going to work or am I going to forget the steps? Um, so it's kind of nice that it, a lot of this ballet for me is just kind of in my body. I don't really feel too conscious about it. <laughs> so talk to us more about... Um Christopher Wielden's choreography. You've done, danced in many of his works, and um, you know he has. What are some of the kind of hallmarks of his style? He, uh, I don't want to trap myself here, but um, I he has such a unique style. Um, I I mean I think personally I I love working with Chris, he's, a, he's incredible at the front of the room. Uh, his attention to detail is phenomenal and he's just such a good um, like manager of people, the way he runs his rehearsals, the people that he brings in. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to work with him in the Australian Ballet uh, and then through Morphosis as well. 
um, and then here in San Francisco. And he just has such a, a great sense of humor, personality, but he really knows how to lock in and how to get the like the best out of uh, the dancers. And yeah, I wish I wish we had more time with him here. Well, I'm going to open it up to questions from the audience in a moment, but um, I'm just curious. I always love hearing uh, from dancers if they have any special rituals or things that they do before a performance to get ready. Um, it depends. For me, if I'm worried about a ballet, like if it's a new ballet, I haven't performed it yet, um, I like to get on stage and just think through everything, uh, like before like when no one's around, curtains up. It just feels very grounding. Uh, I try to stay as relaxed as I can. Um, for me, it's definitely evolved a lot over the years. I used to really stress about whether I'm gonna make a mistake or whether I'm going to forget the choreography and that would always lead me to like cramping and getting all this like tension. Um, so I, I try to stay as relaxed as I can uh, I always do my own makeup, I always do my own hair. Um, I feel like that's important for me. It just kind of gets me like in the zone. Um, yeah, that's about it. Like I'm not super set on it. Uh, I know I feel very nervous before I get into the theater. So I like to, I like to get to the theater as early as I can. Um, I like to ride if I'm at home, I like to ride into the theater. It's nice just to get some like fresh air and sometimes I feel like driving in really stresses me out. So I, I ride through Golden Gate Park and I'm like looking at the birds, I'm looking at the trees, like just trying to remain calm. Um, but I don't know, with a ballet like this, I, I think the preparation kind of happens before the day, like taking a bit of magnesium, drinking plenty of water, um, yeah pretty deep. <laughs> the question was, what drew you to dance when you were younger? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, for me, it's probably a little bit different to other people. I, I grew up in Australia. I grew up in, on like my grandparents' farm, basically. I used to play Australian rules football. I played a lot of cricket. I was really into swimming, love sport started ballet at a very young age. Um, eventually I had to stop that, but the thing that really drew me to ballet when I was in my early teens was that it just frustrated the hell out of me. I used to get so mad because I felt like I was never good at it. And I think that kind of always drew me to it. I always wanted to be better. I always wanted to kind of push myself and yeah, like, it, it's kind of been um, a big motivating kind of factor for me, um, especially when you encounter challenging times, like when I was in uh, ballet school, stuff like that, like you'd have periods where you're like, why, like I'm just not that good, like I should just quit. And then the voice in the back of my brain would be like, no, come on. You, you gotta, you just gotta be better. Like, gotta work harder and push yourself more. And yeah, I think that's kind of what's carried me through. Do you still have that voice? Uh, not as, not as much now. Um, definitely in some ways, but I think I'm a, definitely not as hard on myself anymore. 
uh, there's only so many hours in the day, there's only so much that you can control and especially now I have uh, two kids. So that kind of requires a lot of attention and requires you to be less kind of focused on, on yourself and, and more focused on like what's happening in the morning, like how am I doing lunches, am I going to like get them out of the house on time and so that kind of changes things a little bit but in a good way because now I feel like I get here and I'm able to just completely focus on myself and focus on what I need to do and it's kind of been, it's been very kind of calming for me and I'm enjoying it. So do you and do the men in general do a lot of strength training and what about the women? Uh, I mean, I can't speak for everyone individually. Uh, I think everyone kind of, we're at a point now where we really understand our bodies and what we need as individuals. So yes, some women maybe do yoga, do Pilates, do various things. But um, for me, I do a lot of uh, kind of get on the elliptical, I do a little bit of weights. I don't like, I don't, I'm not trying to lift heavy weights or anything like that. Um, I used to do a lot of Pilates, which I found really beneficial. Uh, in my, the early parts of my career, I had a lot of injuries. So I, I had some really great Pilates instructors that helped me a lot. And I think that's why I've been able to kind of uh, I've had a really great run here in regards to not being injured very often. It's really helped me. Um, yeah, I, I think that's really about it. I mean, I, it is a lot of lifting. It is, it is a lot of jumping. Um, but those are kind of the, the parts that have also really, uh, that I've really enjoyed about this career as well. Love jumping. I used to love it. Okay, I think we have time for one last question. Yeah, Share for uh, us a highlight, a happy moment. Happy highlight. Um, you know, it's really weird because I've been reflecting a lot uh, about my career. I'm a little bit older now, uh, and so it's and obviously with everything, the, the transition with a new director, it's been amazing. It's also given me kind of a chance to look back, and it's it's actually a really it's a weird question. Like, in a sense that I find it really hard to answer. Um, sometimes it's like you love... I mean, I have highlights. I have things that I've, like, absolutely check it off the list. Like, for me, doing Onyegin, doing Giselle. I, I love uh, part of Albrecht. It was always something that I wanted to perform. But I honestly, I just feel so fortunate that I've been able to do what I've I've done. I've worked, like... You mentioned with so many great choreographers. Um, I think for me, as a little bit of a legacy, um, Liam Scarlett's Hummingbird um, was is a ballet that I really love and I really kind of cherish that um, that piece. And yeah, like that whole experience was uh, another great moment for me early on here. Um, yeah, but it's it's a really kind of it's a it's a hard thing for me to really pinpoint at this point. 
Well, I am so sorry to have to end this. I'm enjoying this conversation a lot. I wish we could go on, but we are out of time. So thank you, principal dancer Luke Ingham, for being here tonight. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for joining us tonight. If you missed any part of today's conversation or would like to listen to this or any of the other interviews from the past season, you can visit our website, sfballet.org events, and look for the box uh, that says Meet the Artist. And uh, you can also find these on uh, wherever you find podca podcasts. Excuse me. So thank you again, and please enjoy tonight's performance of Christopher Wielden's Cinderella. Thank you for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about SF Ballet or to attend in-person Meet the Artist interviews and performances, visit sfballet.org. See you at the ballet.